everybody, and welcome to Elsie's Yoga Kula episode number five. If you are a new listener, Elsie's Yoga Kula is the community facet to Elsie's Yoga Class Live and Unplugged podcast. So this is where I share uh, some of your feedback. This is where I share about questions that you might have and send to me. And sometimes I even add some interviews, which is uh, what we're having today. So this is not a yoga class. This is a community conversation just to let you guys know. Now, this episode is brought to you by Elsie's Yoga Class podcast app for the iPhone and iPod Touch. You can find it in the iTunes App Store for $3.99. I'm finally being more di- diligent at making sure that I do add the extra content to the app. Um, so if you look at the extras, if you do have the app, if you look at the extras, you'll find a PDF of the class whenever I do have a class um, of the class sequence. And for this one, I'm going to attach a free MP3 (laughs) from our guest, Donna DeLore, which I have already offered in a prior podcast, but I will offer it to you again because I think she's awesome. Have you had a chance to check out her music? Really? Well, if you haven't, I'm going to intersperse her music from her latest album, Sanctuary, throughout our upcoming interview. She is fascinating. She is fascinating. I cannot wait to share her story with you guys. Did you know that she worked with Madonna? And not just a little bit, like a lot, a lot of it. She toured with Madonna for many years. The Madonna. Yeah, on tour. It's awesome. So you'll learn a little bit more about her life in that respect. So it's very, very cool. I've been using her music for um, my public classes, like right before you know, to, to kind of get the mood going in our classes. And, and I've actually been playing her music throughout my private sessions at home. And I love the way that it lingers in the background and inspires and, and keeps the, the energy so full. And yet it really stays out of the way so that it doesn't kind of usurp the teaching and the learning and the practicing that's going on. So you, you got to check it out. My favorite track on the album I am going to have to share with you right as we move into the interview. It's, uh, it always gets to me, and it's, it's just such a lovely, lovely, lovely song. Along with this interview, I will be reading some feedback from you lovely folks and address some questions so that everyone may benefit a little bit from some of this stuff. So let's get started. First, with your feedback. Here is the first email. This is probably one of the uh, bestest, bestest emails that I've gotten in quite a while. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did. I really loved it. All right, here we go. Dear Elsie, it's a nice surprise to go to the podcast folder and see a new class. Nourish the culture of your body. As a culture lover and worker, I appreciate that one. Comparing our bodies to manuscripts, artifacts is terrific. I spend a lot of time with manuscripts, editing them, tightening them, getting them to read and flow better. I never thought about yoga as a way of, in quote, editing the body and getting Uh, the body, mind, and soul to speak together better, to flow better. After four months of (laughs) Elsie and all your requests for feedback, here's a bit from West Africa. Thank you so much for doing that. Okay. I finally downloaded the classes into iTunes on my computer. 
So even if I travel, I do not have an internet and I do not have an internet connection for any reason, I can still pick a level one, two, a level two or a level two, three class, whatever I feel like. Like your themes, like the intermittent references to current events, i.e. Haiti, oil spill and travel to different places, i.e. El Salvador, may your grandpa's soul rest in peace. Thank you so much. Once you acknowledged a yogi, maybe in the Kula, somewhere in Asia. Sometimes I wish you would acknowledge during the class uh, realities of some of your virtual listeners by small comments, i.e. virtual yogis practicing in 40 degrees centigrade temperatures, 104 degrees Fahrenheit, might want to try a child's position just now instead of a down dog. (laughs) Or would your physical students be distracted by such a virtuality? Okay, I'm going to stop right there. You know what? I have thought about that. I have thought about that, and I don't think it's disturbing to, um, I think the people that are there, it's not that. It's just that sometimes I get caught up with the teaching that I simply forget, and um, and I have to get over being um, self-aware uh, sometimes because I, I'll start teaching and I'll get like a, a very impromptu and organic need to communicate with you guys, my virtual Kula. But then I stop myself because I, I just kind of feel like self-conscious, if you will. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to try and follow through with those impulses and see if I can talk to you guys, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> pardon me, so that you can you can be more included. I have definitely thought about that and I don't think it would intrude at all. So let's see if I can do a little bit more of that. All right, here we go. Love how you sigh in the class. I've started to do that too. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, to just let go. And I've done two classes so far with our housekeeper. I get her sighing as well. Laughing is good too. <laughs> it's true that the preciseness of your request to release or move in a certain in certain subtle ways help us to go deeper and to open. For example, in pigeon, lengthen and extend the leg bones, rooting the pelvis down to rise up and get taller through the spine. I've really integrated root to open into my yoga, thinking, writing, and hopefully living. Melt the heart forward, and the counterpart of that movement in the back has helped me get into a more fluid upward dog. Sometimes you need to tell us how to adjust ourselves, and sometimes I wish you would encourage us to experiment a bit more by exploring micro-movements ourselves within a certain posture, say Uttanasana, like I remember doing in Kripalu Yoga in New York City. Stop again. This is me again talking. You know what? That is a a really great uh, thing for you to mention to me also, because I'm not sure if you guys have had an opportunity to check out I just wrote a blog post about, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a negative review that I received in iTunes. And part of this review said that I talk too much. <laughs> would imagine that. So um, I would love it if you read the review and, and, and kind of checked out to see the way that I turned it around in a way. But this is also another teaching tool for me. Yes, I I need to be more quiet and yes, I need to give you more times to experience your body in the poses. So point taken and you know, the upcoming class that I'm currently uh, going through and hope to publish does have a lot more quiet than usual. And this is, this was actually recorded before I got um, that review, but do check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes. Anyway, continuing on. 
At home, I never look for a quiet place to do yoga. I do not try to disconnect. I set up in the, in the room connecting three bedrooms on our study upstairs. The housekeeper will call for me to help her grind corn in the food processor for cream or corn before I get started. After a while, my daughter will come and ask me for an apple crisp recipe, and I will pause you for a moment to help her find one calling for cups of oatmeal rather than grams of it. Later, my son will walk through and will mention to him that I printed something for him on African literature for his French class. Then the children will return to ask for money, and I will tell them to go and get it from my purse. And on and on and on. I just integrate their request and keep going. They do, try, they do not try to disturb me in headstand or shavasana. They will accept to, the, to verify the alignment of my arms in warrior two. At the end of the practice, they will accept to cover me with a peigne if I sweat it a lot and there's a breeze. They will know to adjust my head if they see in Shavasana that my head is not properly aligned. I guess my practice is participatory to some degree. Pause again. How amazing is that? That sort of, uh, there's so, such a beauty, beautiful lyrical quality to what you just wrote and to my ability to really envision you practicing at your home, which is sort of what it's like with me also, <laughs> with my little girl climbing all over me. Okay, here we go again. I was wondering, neither you nor my non-virtual yoga teacher who has a similar style invites us, or very rarely so, to do boat pose or navasana. Is there an explanation? Okay, here we go. This is me speaking again. One of the reasons I don't teach boat pose is because it's one of the poses that I am not too fond of doing myself, and I tend not to practice it too much myself, and therefore it escapes me. Since I read your email, I have taught it almost every class, <laughs> and I have been practicing it myself a lot more, so I do hope to include it more. There is no reason other than the fact that I think for every yogi, we have certain practices and certain ways in which we have been taught, and certain poses seem to sort of uh, have more focus than other poses. And Navasana is one of those poses where I don't teach it and you're absolutely right. I'm going to have to put it in there. So you can thank West Africa next time, guys, whenever I'll start to do more Navasana. <laughs> All right. Also, I'm not sure that you've reminded us about the importance of drinking water after class. Maybe you have, and I just haven't followed the, that class yet. It is important, isn't it? Yes, you're absolutely correct. Drinking water is absolutely important after classes. We do tend to lose a lot of, um, of the liquid inside of our bodies, but also the water serves to clear out any toxins that might have been released within your organs as you've been practicing. It's a, a wonderful opportunity to have your body naturally cleanse itself after class. And um, I'm, I'm also not um, impartial, nor do I have uh, any kind of restrictions for my yogis to drink water as needed during class. I do know that there are some practices that would uh, sort of offer uh, you not to do any drinking of water while you're practicing your class and uh, your practice of yoga, your yoga asana class. I'm not one of those people, so, um, but it is absolutely imperative. And if I do get a new student, I generally go straight up to them and I will tell them, please make sure that you drink a lot of water after class because particularly when you're new or particularly when you do a very strong class, it is uh, quite necessary for you to do so. 
All right, here we go. Keep up the good work. Thanks for your innovativeness. Thanks for sharing. Greetings to your husband and daughter. Oh, thank you so much, West Africa. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing with me. I totally appreciate everything you had to share, and I do hope to hear from you again. And how about other West Africans? How, how cool would it be if I hear from other West Africans so this West African doesn't feel like she is by herself? All right, I think this is a good time to mention my awesome sponsors, Prancing Leopard Organics. Their clothing is off the hook. If you haven't had an opportunity to check out some of their stuff, come on by my site. See the review that I did for one of their jumpsuits. There's a video and a detailed review of it, and I will put a link in the show notes. I'm also in the process of getting uh, a few more reviews out there, letting you know about some other pieces of clothing from their line. I adore their stuff. I truly do. And a special for you all. You guys get a 15% coupon code at checking out using EYK. So when you check out, use the coupon code EYK and you get 15% off. That's only for you that are listening to the podcast. Now, if you happen to listen to this before June 20th, 2010, they are currently running a little campaign for a 20% off coupon. Come on over to EY, to Elsie's Yoga Kula. And on the right, lcsyogacoola.com, and on the right side bar, you will find a little blinking coupon code button. Click on that and you get the 20% off. I will also add it to the corresponding show notes so you can click through that and get the 20% off. <sighs> so speaking of reviews, like I mentioned before, I'm going to be doing more and more of them. And I would love to include you guys in the whole thing. So if you have a favorite mat... A yoga prop, a yoga piece of clothing, a yoga book that you adore, please submit a review. And I have a little form that you can submit or you can use the little form as a guideline to write your own thing and send it and send it one in. So send one to eyogaclass at gmail.com, eyogaclass at gmail.com, um, and check out the link in the show notes to um, this specific review sheet that I have come up at lcsyogakula.com. Here is our second email. Hi, I've been following your classes on iTunes and I love them. Even more than the classes, I think I love your meditation at the beginning. It makes me realize there's more out there than what I usually think about on a daily basis. I get so absorbed in work, chores, dinner, etc. that I forget, quote, life, end quote. Do you have any suggestions on reading material about yoga? Not necessarily about the exercise, but more of the way of life, philosophy, etc. I would really like to understand more of the discipline. Thank you very, very much for all of that you teach us. Erica. Well, Erica, here are some of my favorites. And by the way, thank you very much for writing in and, and having that request. I actually get that request a lot. So this will be a good opportunity for me to share um, just a few of the books that I find amazing. So I'm going to just give you four books. And these I find are the most grounded in our current understanding, meaning that you don't really uh, sometimes, you know, when you start to study about different philosophies and different cultures, it could be a little bit detached from what you're understanding here. And I would say the majority of us, the majority, even though a lot of you guys are world 
uh, wide listeners are more based on a Western philosophy. So anything that is Eastern at times feels a little bit detached or perhaps even more modern, modern. So I'll give you these four very accessible books that are rooted and grounded in, I, I think, the majority of our everyday experience so that you can begin to step into this uh, yoga philosophy and lifestyle in a way that feels more connected to you. The first book is Yoga from the Inside Out, and this book is uh, by Christina Sell. She is a certified Anusara teacher. She is uh, pretty fantastic. I'll put a, a link to her blog in the show notes. And Yoga from the Inside Out is basically her way of uh, explaining her, her trials and tribulations uh, with body image and her, her her body image and possibly negative habits and um, practices that she did through her life and the way that she um, found John Friend, the Anusara yoga teacher, and her personal um, philosophy teacher, her heart teacher that really shifted her understanding of her body and in the way that now she lives her life. It's a very easy read. It was one, it's one, a book that I often use when I teach because it's very accessible and it has, um, great, wonderfully written, clear insight. So that's a, one of the books that I really love. The other one is called living your yoga, finding the spiritual in everyday life. Um, this one is by Judith Hansen Lassiter. Judith Hansen Lassiter. She is a fantastic teacher, and this book also has a, a wonderful way in which it details practices exactly what it says, living your yoga, finding the spiritual in everyday life. It's pretty clear. <laughs> so this is a lovely little book to always have and to reference and to uh, have it, get inspiration from. Another book that I use all the time, uh, is called Meditations from the Mat, Daily Reflections on the Path of Yoga. And this is by Rolf Gates and Katrina Kennison. Now, this book, I'm so bummed to say, when I moved to Pittsburgh, I think it's at my mom's house. And I used to reference this book all the time because it has this wonderful way of explaining uh, the Yoga Sutra's eight limbs in a way that it's really accessible. And if you do not know what those eight limbs are, this is a really wonderful way to be introduced to them and to find them in your everyday life. Uh, it's, it's really a gem to have. And it's one of those books that you can open, you know, and you can read one of the chapters and it can inform the way that you view your life in that day. And it can, it's, it's a really great source for practice. Um, you can even just read one of the chapters and have that inspire each one of your days, because I think it's broken down into 365 days, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So every day has an inspiration or you can just use them to study, you know, deeper into certain uh, themes that he brings up. It's, it's a lovely, lovely book. The last book is called Waking, A Memoir of Trauma and Transcendence. And this is by Matthew Sanford. Matthew Sanford is an Iyengar teacher that uh, is a quadriplegic. He is an inspiration to no end. I must offer to you that I have not read this book. But I did read an interview with him uh, that was done for one of my favorite podcasts called Speaking of Faith, 
where he tells and tells the story of his life. Plus, he reads little experts from excerpts of his book. Uh, I believe this is going to be my next purchase. I believe this will help you guys also find the yoga in your everyday. And it's it's one book that I believe will inspire and has inspired many teachers. He is really a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, person. And the way that he describes yoga and the way that it has shifted his understanding of his body and his self and his breath is quite amazing. So please, um, that's a really wonderful book. So those four books will keep you busy for a while. <laughs> really, really will keep you busy for a while. And I will offer some later on too, but I think those are, are wonderful. If you want links uh, to any of those books, come to the lcsyogakula.com and the corresponding post will have links to every single one of those books so you don't really have to remember them at this moment. And from books, how about we transition to some music? Our main event, the interview... The interview, the interview with the mighty Donna Delory. I recorded this interview outside our home, inside our car, while Hunter slept and Daddy watched over her. I'm giving you the the audio directly from my conference call service, so the quality is not the best, but it's certainly good enough to listen to our conversation. And here she is, Donna Delory. to reach hard to find you will rise I'll watch you one well I had done Lover and the Beloved and I pretty much like it had opened up a whole new door for me really as a more of a sacred vocalist devotion doing devotional music I was always really into world music right right and that fusion and then I started you know I really got into world music like mid 90s and then and and from traveling around a lot um doing the big tours and everything being in Turkey and Israel and all over the place um South America, you know, I got exposed to a lot of different kinds of music, a lot of percussion. So I was really inspired by the music, and I also had been studying mythology for a long time. And then it was just nat- just naturally, I met Dave Stringer. I met all these people that were doing, starting to, were doing chanting, um, chanting mantras. And I started chanting the mantras with Dave Stringer, and then I started putting mantras into my my more you know singer songwriter work my pop songs right and i would like i have this song called on and on in the middle of that i would chant ganapati om ah. and and then you know when i got the 
the opportunity to do The Lover and the Beloved, the record company came to me and said, we want you to do a whole CD of mantras. And I really was like, you know, I knew like a couple. <laughs> right. I knew them. I knew a lot chanting with Dave, but they were really like his, that was his work, and they were his interpretations of the mantras. Right, right. And I started just really living with them and, and embracing them. So the ones that I really embraced, or the, you know, the first time as far as into my practice were Lover and the Beloved. Then on my next CD, you know, I it's just going, it was just going deeper into the practice for me, having walked through this whole new door. And I began to let go of a lot of attachments that I had about maybe certain kind of music I was trying to do. Right. A lot of it was just linked with my past and what... You know, I just really was getting down to the heart and soul of who I was and what I had to give. And, right. And then Sanctuary was really, you know, I did that CD on my own. It wasn't like I was, this time it wasn't with a record company telling me, we want you to do this because we want to market it in the yoga market and everything. It was just me going, okay, what's natural to me? And I just took the pieces that naturally evolved and came out of where I was. So they were just, once again, simple mantras. Um, I wanted to do another Divine Mother song track, but I wanted it to be kind of more trance-like, more danceable, more like a remix, so that Jai Ma track, it's so different from my other Hey Ma Durga. Right, I wanted right, to right, kind right. of do something that was kind of, you know, sensual and rhythmic and, you know, celebrating, of course, all the names of Divine Mother, which are so many, and I couldn't possibly fit them into that song. Right, right. But I tried, and just... It's like a beautiful celebration of where I was in my life. jamming around with that the hymn sanctuary which is actually a modern day christian hymn that's in sung in like most christian churches and i like the just one part of it there's many verses you know that go in right like god save us from being sinners and everything but i just like that those simple words that i use in my version we start putting it over a beat well i had just found out i was pregnant with my baby oh wow and and i remember a friend came over and i said you know this is like a this is another mantra, more mantra, you know, CD, devotional CD. And, it, you know, I was saying to her, what do you think about me putting this on the CD? Because it's so natural for me. It's how I feel right now. And she's so funny. She's like, you better put it on there. <laughs> to me sanctuary, pure and holy, try. Thanksgiving, I'll be living 
sitting up in the guest house where my studio was, looking out over the mountains, holding, literally like putting my hands on my stomach where she was growing and just feeling so incredibly blessed to be able to have another opportunity to have another child, which was basically, was a total miracle because I was told I couldn't get pregnant again and oh, it was wow. just a total miracle and it was just, just divine grace and just being in that, that place. And when I sang out at the end of that, I just want to thank you. It's just like, it's just my big thank you. And, and, you know, all my music, I feel like when I go to sing, it's like a big thank you, I'm saying. And just being in awe and being just so much gratitude, you know. My, I think I've gotten more, as I've done all these records, I've got more into the essence of why I sing and how I feel like I've been given this gift and, and it's that it's my offering. Um, you know, at the same time, I want to support myself and my family and, you know, not have to worry about how I'm going to pay for my next record. Right, right. And there's all that, you know, a lot to manifest in, in that way. But it's truly like I just want to, I just really want to give it. And And a lot of these things came naturally and they really were healing to me. And, you know, and I'm, so happy of course when something is healing to me and I put it out there in the world and it's so beautiful to get that the um the reaction from people and their experience comes in right. and it starts coming back and you start hearing stories and moments people have and it's so profound to me because that's why I do music and everything everybody tells me I, the next time I'm working on music, I remember. I can feel them and I can hear their words. Right. And I, I just remember what they said and how it touched them. And, right. and um, it's, you know, I'm just very mindful of that when I'm creating music now. It's totally different from where I came from before. Um, you know, where you're really goal-oriented and you're trying to, you know, you're doing what you love, but you're trying to get a certain amount of success, and you don't even really know why. Right, right. It's just because you've been conditioned by, you know, as a child by the media and by, you know, wanting to be loved and everything. And, and I'm, I'm just so happy that at this point in my life now, I feel like I've gotten more to the essence of what music is to me. And, um, and it's not so conditional. One of the things that I focus on a lot when I teach uh, yoga is the, the strength and the depth of transitions and the importance of them. You know, moving from one pose to the other or, or that it's not the pose itself, but it's your ability to hold all those things together. 
and you know you've done that in a really wonderful way. What in what ways do you think? Um, I guess your you know your yoga I'm sure began much before you even knew what yoga was really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, in looking back, what were the ways in which um, that helped you transition in your life? Um, in all these different points that you, you, know, you got through. Well, it's really interesting. Today I was in my kitchen. I'd just gone to the farmer's market and I was eating some strawberries mm-hmm. that were locally grown. And I um, was really excited about that. But I was thinking about my journey. And I lost my mom. She died of breast cancer when I was 16. And I was like in my bubble world, t- typical teenager growing, you know, suburbs, wherever I, you know, I was out in California, outside of Los Angeles. And it just, it kind of, you know, of course it was devastating and everything. And I I ended up um, moving with my dad to Nashville, Tennessee. And when I was in Nashville, I discovered, I walked in, it was just because of where I was in my life. And I was so open, it just cracked me open completely to a new life and a new way. I mean, I grew up watching a lot of TV, eating a lot of junk food, and, uh-huh. um, you know, and there was a lot of music and a lot of great opportunities when I was a kid, because I started singing professionally when I was young, and a lot of great stuff, and a lot of great, you know, outdoors and nature and everything, but but I did not grow up the way that I'm raising my children now, with this consciousness, and after my mom died, I'd walked into a, it was a vegetarian cafe, you know, and I got and into a health food store. It was kind of like a co-op in Nashville. I got into this community like immediately, mm. and I just connected with these people. Right. And it was, and then it was then, I was thinking back today because I ended up going back, um, when I moved back to L.A. a couple of years later, I went to the macrobiotic center in L.A. Right. Because I was eating a macrobiotic meal for lunch. That's why I started thinking about all this. I was like, how did I get into this? Right. And I walked in, and that was my community in L.A., and I connected, and that's where I first discovered yoga, was really through this macrobiotic center. Mm. And it was like, oh, yeah, down the street there's a yoga center, and Rod Stryker is teaching, you know, a young, great, great young uh, yoga teacher who doesn't hurt that he's cute and everything. Right, right. And I was like, I got, like, really into it, and I was really, in, I was dancing at the time. So I got on this whole path, and I just remember the feeling of being around these people, going to lectures about the food and the energy about the food and the yin-yang. I mean, I was so young. I was just 18. Wow, that's, that's really, really cool. That's and really I, cool. And I used to go to the Bodhi Tree Bookstore, and it was a spiritual bookstore, and I was just thinking back about me sitting there listening to this guy like from the Kushi Institute talking wow. about macrobiotic eating. And there, I mean, I was so young. Well, you know, I had all that in me, but yet, but yet I was in L.A. and I was trying to make right. it to be a star and, you know, right. completely, like, got sucked into that whole world of Hollywood and auditioning and trying to be somebody and all that. And then, you know, a couple of years later, whatever, I went down a path, ended up meeting Madonna and that whole thing and went through that whole trip. But along the way, I never let go of that um, that longing to know the truth and I just there were certain things that resonated with me that I always held on to and I was always drawn to those people on the Madonna tours the people that were my friends were the massage therapist the organic cook I mean these were the people and there was a lot of people that were in a lot of illusion you know in that scene as you can imagine right definitely I was thinking about that because 
that what a gift to be able to go out on tour with Madonna and, and be involved with uh, not just like a musician, but like something so big. It was so like, huge, and and by the last yeah, by the last time I toured with her, we were we were all getting you know, and she especially you know on her road of being conscious and everything, we were so conscious of what we were doing. Huh. You know, it was like we are about to go out. We have this opportunity to inspire people and to uplift them. I mean, it got like our prayers before going out were were so profound. I mean, I was so inspired. And yeah. even though on the last show when I had been out there so much in the front, I was like in the back on the last show because, right. long story, they didn't. They just wanted like a lot, a lot of acrobatic dancers and stuff. Right, right. The singers were in the back. But I still was so fired up. And I was like, oh, this is my purpose to be here and everything. But and it was wonderful, but by then I had already really discovered my own path as an artist, right. and I really was just undeniable. I, I was so fulfilled by doing my own thing that, you know, my whole attachment to that world was that it was a great job, and it was yeah. great money, and it was great, hey, the recognition was amazing. And I was, you know, that the whole fan base, it's like I knew these people. Mm-hmm. I'd been doing it for 20 years, so it was amazing. I really grew up in a lot of ways, and, and even though, you know, it wasn't all yogis on tour by any means, right. but I managed to connect with enough people to keep me, you know, to keep me grounded. But those tours are hard because you're in a really big group of people, but you're really, if you're not going out partying every night, dancing and everything, it's really, it could be lonely. Yeah, I'm so, sure. So I had a lot of time to... um to you know, I always say the first two tours I was totally in <laughs> to the part, you know, the dancing and the celebrating life, and in in that really young way where you can't miss a moment. You're going out every second and everything. And then the next two tours I did with her were really about focusing on my career, uh-huh. trying to be an artist. And then the last two tours were I had a family already, and I was, uh-huh. and it was really like I had found devotional music for myself and my and I had my family, and it was like how do I make this all work together? Because it's getting more, it's getting more challenging because I'm not just this performer that goes out and tours the world. You know, I had more needs. I had needs to stay healthy right. and to keep my family healthy. And, you know, so it really got, um, really my standard for my life has risen so high. You know, I juice every day and, you know, like the juicer and the organic veggies were on my rider in the dressing room. And, <laughs> you know, trying to maintain your lifestyle and your whatever centers you when you go out like that is incredible. And even like now when I go out on my own tour, I've got to get my juices and I've got to do my yoga classes and got to somehow find time for myself. much pressure on myself and in fact I had so much pressure on myself that when I got pregnant 
with my first child, I was on my own. I was just dating someone, and and all of a sudden it turned into a situation where I was having this baby on my own. Uh-huh. And it really was devastating for me at first because I, I thought I had so much pressure on who I was trying to be and do and achieve that this was just going to, it wasn't my plan. Why? It was such a wake-up call for that. And then not, you know, um, just three years, four years ago, my sister died. I lost my sister to ovarian cancer. These things were, you know, things like that really make you so strong, these transitions, but they just wake you up in such a big way to what is real. Right. And, you know, and of course, this is my sister dying right in front of me. It's like my own mortality of how how important all these moments are and what makes us really happy, like being with our baby as much as we can. Right. And we know now how fast this goes by. Right. And... <laughs> And it, and just knowing that, I, I just take it takes a lot of pressure off of me. And I feel like you know I I take a long time to make records because I'm not I don't have that I, I have drive I feel like and focus, but it's I'm just moving slower. I don't feel that gotta get it gotta get it done gotta get on tour. And right. it's, it's an interesting thing because when you, when you deal with any people in the music business and and deadlines and the you know, of course we have to set deadlines and everything, but I kind of feel like it's going to get done. I'm not worried about it. Right. And it's going to come out when it's meant to come out, when it all comes together, when it's when it's right for me and my family and everything. Because really at the end of the day, what does it matter? Right. I mean, if you got your, your whatever, you're writing a book, if it's finished this year or next year. Right. You know, it's just like it's, it's all, all is well. <laughs> and I... I have to, you know, I have that voice inside of me still like, come on, you're supposed to have this out by now. What's going on? Why is this taking so long? Right. And I keep, I'm working on a remix record right now, and I keep saying to myself, it, it's not time for this to be finished, and there's more that I want to put into this, and it's just not finished yet, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I had deadlines to have it finished by and produced by now. Well, it's going to be a couple months probably, and I'm still working on a remix for Hema Durga, because I got really inspired and wanted to do like you know put Ave Maria on it and some different colors and stuff. So I did. I just try to stay more in the process, and you know as long as like we are following our bliss day to day, and we we're doing this. You know, it's not. It's more of the it's the quality. You know, yes. quality of our lives. And the quality time, you know, we have with our children. And and being like, the thing I get on myself about is being fully present. Yeah. And not trying to check my emails while I'm with the baby. And right. It, that is so hard. Like I the know. phone rings and you're like, i got to get this call. <laughs> and it, it does shift their energy. Right. Definitely. It totally does. And I know I have a wonderful other half who calls me out on that all the time you know he's always like you need to it's time for you to ground down a little bit because you see the way that she's reacting to you and sometimes he's a mirror for you know I I get kind of wound up and I'm like she's not settling or something like that you know and he's like well have you looked at what you're throwing at her or your energy right now isn't very grounded and I and it's funny because I teach this in class all the time I know. So I see it, and then when I'm in it, I'm like, wow, what's going on? It's the, oh, right, I have to ground, too. It's such a, 
it's such a long process to learn and having like I have a seven-year-old so I did this and I feel like I rushed through it the first time ah. because I had to get back to my career and I had to get my record done and and you know I can't spend too much time with the baby I got to keep my life going and right and got to get help got to get help all the time and now I honestly I mean, we have some help we have help but I feel like if she can't be around so be it right I'll be here Right, right. You know, I just feel like I'm going to be here and I'm going to soak it up and I'll make it work somehow. Right. I may go a little crazy, but... <laughs> but hey, it's the way to deal with it. You know, it's, the balance is just, I mean, you just, you, nobody knows unless they're a parent. It's so, it's such a different world. It's not just living for yourself. I mean, I think it's perfect one for me would be something that is yet to be created. That's more like along the lines of what maybe what Peter Gabriel did, um, but a, a traveling devotional music festival, wor- world sacred music festival that could go around and and be you know be with a lot of really great artists and we just all inspire each other and you know some of the artists that I love in there like Peter Gabriel um and I'm trying to think anything that exists now like I love love doing festivals I love the Lilith I'm going to be doing the Lilith festival and that's really great it's a great opportunity and it's great you know celebrating women in music right right that's amazing and and from where I'm coming from I'm like I'm so excited to do a Hey Madurga there you know? Ooh, that's fun. That's awesome. And I just hear that ringing out, and people are like, Ma, I get it. <laughs> I know. It's it's like it gets caught in you. I keep seeing it all the time now. I'm just like, you have it in the back of your head. You know, it's kind of crazy. It always comes up. It's sweet. Yeah, I mean, that. And, you know, I also like just like seeing when the Dalai Lama speaks and uh-huh. – I have visions of doing things like that and for United Nations and just like using my voice to to really be there to open people's hearts and maybe to set a tone before uh-huh. people are, you know, there's some like big negotiations going on regarding climate change or, you know, I, I can, I would love to be there to, to have my voice be that instrument, you know, an instrument of peace. There's a faith forever true in your shelter, sanctuary, Guru Onguruwa, Guru Satchidananda, Guru Onguruwa, Guru Onguruwa, Guru Onguruwa. 
as a as a yogi and, and as a devotional musician and sacred musician, how do you step into technology? How does you, how does your technology keep you connected to the sacred? Your cell phone, your computer, your you know things like that, or does it disconnect you? Well, the first thing when you said technology, I thought about being in the studio with this engineer producer I'm working with. Oh. We're using this technology. First of all, it's so beautiful to serve because I'll have an idea and we can manifest it so fast Uh with the technology. I could say, I want to edit that and I want to put that there and I want to hear it this way and I want it to build and we can do it so quickly. Uh So when I am like in that, when I do have that time to go in the studio and do that, it really gets done. Um, my computer, I, it's really funny because I've had this thing lately where I, um, I'm literally like getting burnt out from being on the computer right. and I'm trying to like limit my time and I, technology, I just think it's just, I just think it's wonderful. The other thing about technology is that like today I signed a bunch of petitions and I got informed as to what's going on with you know, with Congress and everything, it just, it's such a great thing to inform me because I don't watch the news and I don't have TV or anything. So I use it as a tool to be informed. And then to use it as a tool to, you know, if I have like X amount of fans that are following me on my, fa- you know, my spa- on uh, Facebook or, or whatever, Twitter, I can put up things in the moment. You know, I can say, look, I just signed this amazing petition. This is about banning all plastic bags in California. You know, whatever it is. Uh We have to be the leaders on this, and I feel so strongly about this. And I can put it up, and it goes out. Thousands of people will be able to say, oh, yeah, I love her, and she did that. I'm going to do that, too. Right, exactly. And that's like one little thing. But the information that goes around, like nothing can be hidden anymore. Everything Everything is revealed, like the oil spill in the Gulf, right. like how we, we see daily pictures and we see reports and we're, we know what is going on. And now we have the power to, to change it and not let it happen again. But it's just ultimately so empowering. Uh-huh. At the same time, though, we can't lose that person-to-person, you know, this whole new generation. I'll work with some people. I'm working with someone now who's like 22 and doing, you know, marketing and Internet stuff for me. And have to remind him of, like, I know you come from this different generation, and you're always on the computer, and it's not as personal, but it starts with us connecting. Right. You know? And then then this computer serves what our goals are in our connection, but it's not in the middle. Like, I, I want to deal with a human being. I don't want to deal with, like, a, compu- a computer personality person. Right. I don't know. I love to talk to people on the phone. Like when people are like booking me and want to talk to me, the first thing I do is like, can I have your phone number because I want to talk to you. Right, right. I can't just do bookings not talking to somebody. Like I have to feel who they are and their enthusiasm. And I just have to, there's something that computer can't give. And I still think we just have to, and the ultimate is to be with people. So, so then, it, you know, it leads us to our ultimate experience of, doing music and live events and festivals and events where we can all come together and share. And and it's getting to be more rare for us to hear each other's voices singing together. Yeah. Because we're all, like, you know, in our worlds, on our computers and everything, and where we're with our families. And But to be able to come out in community, um, you know, I want my life to be more and more about that. And with my family, 
being part of festivals and gatherings where we're all there together sharing this experience. And, of course, it's a lot of, like, people that are into wellness and yogis and stuff. Um, but just all getting together and celebrating and chanting and, you know, I, I want to make that even more of my life, like, um, and then the computer's great to tell me when those events are, you know? Right, definitely. It's like, it's the balance of, like, not just getting the information, but going out and doing something. And being, you know, you hear about this stuff, well, go out and be part of it. You have to actually still go out, you know? Definitely. In your community. So, so I, it's constant for me, and you probably, probably agree that it's finding that balance. You still want to be part of your community and stay connected. Mm-hmm. But then you've got this whole other community over your internet and your the technology, right? Which is which thousands, is- thousands of people. And then you got your family, keeping that all in balance. That's the, yeah, that's definitely the key for that kind of stuff. I um, I just heard an interview with um, uh, this gentleman. I'm not even sure. I can't remember what his name was, but he was talking about the fact that even when he records things online or for for a specific audience, so to speak. At the time that that's happening, that energy that is holding on there is actually including and transcending space and time. Any time that anybody's going to listen to it in the future or that is not present at that moment, so that even when those people are listening, they're actually communing at the moment that it was recorded. Yeah. And when I, I heard that, it was really amazing because it, there is a transcendence of space and time where you created your music, and, and I... I hear it right now, but I'm sensing and uh, that same energy of what was happening at that moment, even though I wasn't there, you know, when you recorded it. It's pretty amazing the way that there, there is that power to that. It's really interesting because, you know, when we hear music that really resonates with us, like a, sing- a songwriter that's just singing. The other night I heard Peter Gabriel singing this song, Your Heart, or I think it's off his new album. I was at a trans dance event, and it was like in the moment he was singing it right there to me. I was right. I never think about, oh, when did he record it, and seeing him in the studio there yes, doing exactly. it. exactly. It's always right in the moment. Uh-huh. It's so, you're right, it's so powerful. And it is, it's, it's transcending, and it just, it, it is amazing. Recording that we have this technology now is just so incredible. I hope you enjoyed that. I just found her fascinating. Isn't she lovely? So go out and get her Sanctuary album. (laughs) Remember, for those of you with the iPhone app, I'm going to be adding the MP3 to her from her single uh, Sanctuary for your enjoyment. Now, for those of you without the iPhone app, just come to the show notes and there will be a direct link to download that MP3 for for free for you guys. So this is the song that she wrote while she was pregnant touching her belly and she was singing touching her belly her newest daughter when she sang that song doesn't that have now like totally even more magical meaning so get that song ah thank you tons for listening everybody i hope that this was at minimum helpful to you in some way if you have any questions problems or feedback please feel free to email me at eyogaclass at gmail.com or call me i love to play some voice feedback from you guys 
310-651-6238 or if you are a little bit more adept uh, with your devices and some of you guys that have the iPhone app you know you only have to press a little button and it automatically calls me and you can also record your voice and just email it to me via mp3 so those of you who want to step into that I'm happy happy to have uh, to play any recorded anything that you guys sent me send me as feedback so please do it if you do have a chance please head over to iTunes and review the podcast or the podcast app I cannot tell you how much it helps to keep the podcast visible and um, oh yeah so um, there are other posts that I write in my blog I write sometimes things that I don't publish Please come by and check out all the new stuff that I have on there. I've shifted the site a lot, around a lot, and it's an easier way to navigate. So if you guys want to head on out there, I would love to get your feedbacks about all the stuff that I've been doing. So I'm looking forward to hearing from you. And I'm already beginning to prep and edit episode 81. I think it's going to be an awesome class. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.